Welcome to Radio Avnet. Welcome to Avnet's Distributing Wisdom podcast, where the brightest minds in the electronic components industry examine the many ways that distribution drives innovation. Our industry has evolved and grown significantly, so we're bringing together leaders who can share their wisdom as we tackle today's unique challenges and examine how our past is driving our future. On this season of Distributing Wisdom, we'll be bringing together experts from across the electronic components industry, including Avnet, to discuss how they're currently tackling the challenges we face today. I'm your host, Heather Vanna. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the relationship between supply chain and data. Our first guest today is Paul Duker, Director of Supply Chain Solutions at Avnet. Welcome, Paul. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Avnet? So my name is Paul Duker, and I am part of the Avnet Velocity supply chain team. So I've been with Avnet for about nine years in total now. All of that time has been spent with the Avnet Velocity Group, focusing on supply chain design, primarily solutions development, but also a little bit of business development, and also lead our digital supply chain team for the, the Velocity Group. Thank you, Paul, for that introduction. Today, we are here to talk about supply chain and data. So where are supply chain leaders looking for that data? What insights does it help them achieve? Well, I would say that in the last two years, with all of the supply chain disruptions and, and turmoil that we've all experienced, we have seen a trend where more and more OEMs are looking to take a much more hands-on, direct approach to managing their supply chains. Traditionally, these were outsourced activities, and that, that's worked just fine for a number of years. But with the recent events, there's so many of these OEMs now that have stated to us they, they've got to get directly involved. They've got to take more control. They relied on their partners to perform for them. Now they're going to take control of making those decisions and they can't make them without the data. So the importance of data is just obviously bubbled to the, the top of their priority list. What types of conversations are you having with customers and how are companies preparing for this challenge? Primarily right now, we're, we're seeing it's all supply and demand imbalance. Where do they have gaps? Where do they have exposure? When are they going to experience that exposure? And then also try to predict when they're going to be able to recover from a gap. And then alongside of that, they're also trying to see what risk mitigation options they've got in terms of buffer inventory, ability to move production around a little bit, and just generally having a picture of what their supply chain looks like versus having to rely on a more traditional supply chain where their activities were blended with, with others. I'm assuming that this is a large cultural shift for these organizations. How do you go about having these conversations with customers? I'll share a quick story, I guess, to, to, to kick off that concept. But about two years ago, we had a kickoff call with, with a very large OEM and they stated to us that they didn't even know what their bill of materials was. They, they didn't know what components were in their products that they were relying on their, their third party to produce for them. And so we had this supply chain conversation. And at the end of the conversation, they said, so step one is we've got to go out and determine what components are in our, our things. And once we do that, we'll come back to you. And sure enough, about two or three months later, they came back to us and said, okay, here's a list of the component suppliers that we, we need to talk to. And we went from there. But to answer your question, it, it was kind of an eye-opener for us because you know so many of these OEMs were so hands-off that they were so reliant on their third-party uh, manufacturing partners that they didn't even know what components were in their supply chain. So that was step one. And then trying to understand 
you know, how forecasting was being performed, who was forecasting based on what data, how often was that data refreshed, you know, what processes were in place to, to continuously evaluate, are we making the right decisions? Have things changed to a degree? Are, are we nervous based on some event that we think is going to occur in the future, or we want to maybe dial up some extra, some buffer inventory and, and bring inventory uh, strategies into play. So it starts at the, at the most basic level of understanding what parts are in your supply chain, who are your, your partners, and, and then just working up from there. I would imagine that there is still a commonality between these general approaches. How would you advise customers around gathering data to improve their supply chains? I would say it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think on one end of the spectrum, we, we've got some customers right now where we're implementing some pretty transformative, disruptive supply chain solutions for them. They don't have a team. So they're in the process of trying to do this transformation, but they're also in the process of hiring and onboarding team members who are new to their organization. They're new to this process. Everything's new. So it's very disruptive. We, we've got other examples, I would say, where they're, they're a little bit more mature. They've got teams. Maybe the model's changing a little bit. Maybe they're taking a different strategy to how they utilize the data that they do have access to, what they're depending on you know, partners such as Avnet to, to do inside of that supply chain. But they're, they're more mature. So we, we've got a little bit of a mixed bag where we've got the more mature OEMs and we've also got the very immature OEMs who are just getting started in this process. They're building their supply chain departments from scratch to some degree. What are the anticipated outputs from this process? Can you explain the vision behind these kinds of plans, please? The business process has to support the data. You know, so the, the data is one thing. We can talk about the data sourcing and the analytics tools and, and things of that nature. But the business process has to support this at, at the foundational level. And what I mean by that is to the degree that an OEM or a customer is looking to utilize data, that data has to be separated specifically for them so that when Abnet produces that data, when we produce that supply chain picture, it's their picture. It's, it's not diluted to some degree. If there's inventory, is it their inventory or is it the inventory on hand that could change based on some other customer drawing from it? So the business process has to be understood possibly changed first in order to enable some of the data that these organizations are, are looking for. Let me clarify a bit further. What is the end result that we're hoping to achieve through this data gathering? We talk often with our, with our customers about once they have one of these supply chain models that enables the, the data and the visibility that they're looking for, they've got the ability to turn the dials, to constantly fine tune things. And then that could be in terms of how they're, they're planning for buffer inventory, uh, how many weeks early they might be placing some of their demand, going out and having more proactive conversations with their suppliers. You know, there's different strategies. The, the customers are taking different approaches. But the idea here is that the supply chain is going to be their tool. The data is their instrument paddle. I, I don't necessarily like the word dashboard. But then they have the options to take the information that they're pulling out of that data and make decisions, make adjustments, and actually have that control that again, traditionally was outsourced to, to their partners. It's really to, to take a more proactive approach to managing their supply chain, to, to try and take as much risk out of that supply chain as, as possible. That's the vision. Do you think there are new skills and staffing challenges or technological challenges that we'll have to tackle? Both. I, I think from the, the people perspective, for a lot of organizations and ourselves included, this is a bit of a different skill set to take this data and understand what is this data really telling me? Because I think in a lot of cases, it's somewhat obvious on the surface, you know, when we're pulling the basics out of it, how much inventory I have, what's the status of my supply, status of my demand. But oftentimes 
once that data is assembled and it's consolidated and it's normalized and it's available, there's other information that can be pulled out of that data. There's other stories that can be told from it. There's other futuristic looking pieces of information that these, these organizations can pull out of it, but that takes a different mindset. Taking it a step further to say, well, if I take that basic data set and I add to it with this, this third party piece of information, or I add some customer-based ERP order level information to this supply chain data that Avnet's got, then that picture is expanded to show this. From a technology perspective, it's not so much the tools, the platforms themselves. I, I think to me, it's more the ability to, to consume that data. So we always tell whoever we're working with, we'll take data by any means necessary. It could be some full-fledged automated integration. It could be an email, could be an Excel file. Whatever options are available, our vision is to be as flexible as possible just so we can take it in. Then the real work begins where we normalize it, we clean it, we standardize it, make it available, combine it with the alternative pieces of information that I mentioned a moment ago. So our approach is just get it to us. We'll figure out how to consume it and make it work for you. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share on this topic? When we talk about data, I think traditionally there was always a, a push to, to produce a report or a view or a dashboard. What, what I've seen is while there's value in that, and that's, that's kind of table stakes, you have to have those. And we're constantly trying to produce views and, and ways of looking at data that are, are as valuable as possible. But the reality is in supply chain, we're constantly firefighting. So part of where we're seeing real value is just having that data at the ready. It's structured, it's, you, know, you can filter it, sort it, whatever needs to be done to solve that problem. That's gonna to happen tomorrow. We don't know what it is, so I can't produce it for you. But I make that data available to these customers. And, and that's, to me, the true value, I think, in a lot of these solutions these organizations are doing, well above just the standard views. Our next guest today is Brett Duart, Clinical Associate Professor at the W.P. Carey School for Supply Chain Management at Arizona State University. Brett will provide some additional context around the current academic approach to supply chain strategies and how he and his students are utilizing data and analytics. Hello, Brett. Thanks for joining us. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your background and your role at ASU? My name is Brett Duart, and I'm a clinical associate professor in the supply chain department at the WP Carey School of Business. I've been at ESU for five years now, and I'm the co-director of the business analytics program. And so just a little bit about myself, Heather, I spent about 12 years uh, at IBM. And so I'm more of an industry guy, I guess, you know, spent quite a bit of time in the supply chain, looking at analytics and really spending a lot of time doing business process improvement, Lean Six Sigma and things like that. It's great that ASU is tapping folks like you with that real world experience. And I'm sure that becomes a valuable resource for students who want that hands-on experience as well. So to dive in, what are some of the shifts that ASU has seen within the supply chain over the past three to five years, especially given the turmoil? Supply chains have been in the news for the last couple of years, and I guess probably not all for the best reasons. We've seen shutdowns in COVID. We've seen snowstorms in Texas. We've heard about the, the Suez Canal debacle. There's flooding in Europe, and, and clearly this has caused a lot of disruptions in the supply chain. And so essentially what 
we've had to do in academia is how do we look at this as an opportunity to modify our curriculum and inform students and kind of better prepare them for these disruptions moving into the future. And so one thing that's really come to the, the forefront has been this whole area of supply chain resilience and risk management. You know, how do companies react to these disruptions? And we've really been trying to address this in a really threefold manner, if you will. There's this whole element of this proactive component of resilience. How do we, uh, how do we look at what happens before the disruption? How do we sense these disruptions? There's a reactive component which says, okay, hey, now that we're in this disruption, how do we quickly react to it? What kind of changes do we need to make in our supply chain? But then more importantly, I think companies are, are beginning to look at this more of a, a long-term strategy and what's the, the transformative component, right? What do we need to do to change this environment so that if there is a disruption, we're able to react to it. And so our curriculum is really being addressing some of these key points of resilience. You know, just as an example, sometimes we teach a lot of folks about just in time and that works really, really well. But now we have to look at those strategies and say, hey, what do we need to do to perhaps place strategic buffers? Maybe it's capacity, maybe it's inventory to protect us and mitigate against these disruptions. And so our curriculum has been modified, updated. I think while many organizations have suffered, I think this is a great learning experience for students. And the other thing I think is, you know, how do you deal with resilience? I think many companies are looking at software like ResiLink, ways in which they can model their supply networks and get a sense of where risk exists. And we try to bake that into our curriculum. Yeah, it sounds like a big change. And to your point, one in the long term, that's going to be positive for businesses in that space. You talked a bit about data, but can you expand on that a bit more? What's the importance of data and analytics within the supply chain today? As I was reading this, this article and there was this anecdote that said there's more data created and stored in bytes than all the grains of sand in all the beaches in the world. If you just let that sink in for a second, you know, just the enormity of the amount of data that's being generated. I mean, we talked about digitalization of the supply chain and IoT sensors, and we live in this area of big data. We're talking petabytes and zettabytes of data. Data really is the new oil header. It's just available for companies to tap. And I think what's really important is that managers, executives, organizations are quickly realizing that, you know, they cannot just rely on business acumen, tacit knowledge, their experience. We have to have this element of data-driven decision-making, and that's becoming so important in our supply chain. In fact, when you look at how that's trickled down into the marketplace, jobs in the area of analytics has, um, have grown by 40%. Just students looking to get into this area of analytics has seen a 16% growth. And at ASU, within our business analytics program uh, itself, we've seen our numbers quadruple over the last few years. So there's clearly this indication of needing analytics to make decisions. Now, I think to your question, right, what's the trajectory been over the last decade? I think it, there's been this evolution, you know, there's this element of firstly, how do we manage the data? How do we collect it? How do we store it? How do we visualize it? But now we're kind of evolving to that area of 
hey, we've got these vast amounts of data. Can we come up with ways to predict what's going to happen in the future? And things like AI and machine learning are really coming to the forefront, right? How do we use these tools to, to be able to make better predictions in the future? One thing that's really interesting is when you look at volumes of data that organizations collect, sometimes it's not surprising that the data that we actually capture can be very unstructured, Heather. And what I mean by that is text analytics, right? Text data or even videos. And so many companies are getting into this area of using deep learning methods, neural nets to to work with some of these images to figure out how can we extract information and predict. But then there's also this angle of prescriptive analytics in this whole evolution of using data in the supply chain. And we talk about optimization models across the supply chain and how can we build uh, a simulation model, which you know might be a digital twin of a process. And how can we play around with the simulation model? How can we look at different scenarios and play what if games? And that's becoming really, really important. And so I think the evolution really is not just predictive, but prescriptive analytics. And I really see the future roles being what we would, what we might call a decision scientist as opposed to just a data scientist. That's fascinating. And it's certainly interesting to think about that evolution from data scientist to decision scientist. So Brett, can you provide any more examples of data analytics being applied within a supply chain strategy? You know, we talked about as a department, how we've tried to bring more of this real world experience into our curriculum. We've seen a bit of a shift as well with the composition of faculty within these programs. We, we still have a very strong influence of tenure track faculty that are researchers and experts in the field, but we also have this influx of industry folks like myself coming in. And so when you look at applications and analytics over the years in supply chains, I think there's been several projects that have been done. If you look at the, the healthcare space, there's a lot of work going on with the Mayo Clinic. As new drugs get introduced, how do you figure out resource requirements? Can we build simulation models? Logistics has been a big area, especially with IoT sensors and all these vast amounts of data that can track containers on ships all over the world. How do you forecast demand? How do you forecast lead times? Work on the reverse logistics side as well. When you think of companies like Adidas, and how are we working to streamline their returns and refurbishing? And even companies like IBM, for instance, you know, looking at supply chains, looking at their lead times, how can we come up with ways to better predict lead times and also look at sentiment analysis. We've actually been doing work with companies like the Arizona Lottery as well. And how can we use analytics to predict sales? How can we Look at marketing analytics. How do we compare vending machines? How do we use it in fraud detection and inventory optimization? So really the, the gamut of applications span pretty, pretty diverse industry segments, I would say. Thanks, Brett. It sounds like it's a great time to be a supply chain student, although perhaps it's a difficult time for students in general, given the turmoil they've experienced over the last few years. How are you training students and those future supply chain leaders to thrive in these types of dynamic environments? 
It's a really interesting time because while a lot of organizations are struggling with their supply chains, our students have a, a front row seat to watch all the action unfold. And so I, I think one thing that we believe is, is really important within the business school is this notion of getting out there, you know, experiential learning opportunities where uh, students can get involved in internships and capstone projects. And that's been something that we've really been pushing forward quite a bit. I mean, these opportunities give uh, students the, a chance to work with organizations on real world problems. So now what we're doing is we're marrying what you learn in the classroom with a real world situation. When I think about skills required for students to be successful, how can you get them to be critical thinkers and problem solvers? A lot of that comes through with experiential learning. And so something that we've done over the last few years is we've engaged with several companies, I think over a hundred companies to get involved with capstone projects where students really run an entire analytics project through its life cycle and get that exposure to hey, well, what do I do if I do not have this perfect data set, right? And I'm not absolutely clear on how to address this. And that's been really, really in instrumental in, in preparing these future leaders. Absolutely. That experiential learning is really invaluable for students. But can you talk about some of the benefits that this collaboration offers to companies who get involved? You know, the benefit is twofold. Uh, clearly, the students are getting experience on real-world problems, but Companies are getting free brain power and getting students that do not come with any preconceived notions. There isn't this, this thought of cowpath theory, if you will. And so I think it's been really, really beneficial to companies that have been engaging with us on getting students to come and work on a problem, present their solutions. And most of the time, these are out-of-the-box solutions and, and, and work really well to the, the organization. And so that's, that's been really great. In fact, we've been working with Avnet over the last three or four years with Capstone Projects, and it's been an incredible opportunity for our students because they've had exposure to, to folks from Avnet that deal with analytics, but also with executives presenting their ideas has been something that has been very rewarding for them. Mm -hmm.